0: Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in Washington for Kate Baldwin. To our viewers watching around the world, this is the State of America tonight. President Trump expanding his theme of America First today, outlining a strategy for national security on everything from the military to foreign relations. The president also used the speech to revisit one of his signature campaign presses.
1: For the first time ever, American strategy now includes a serious plan to defend our homeland. It calls for the construction of a wall on our southern border, ending chain migration and the horrible visa and lottery programs, closing loopholes that undermine enforcement and strongly supporting our Border Patrol agents, ICE officers, and Homeland Security personnel.
0: Let's go to CNN White House reporter Caitlin Collins with the latest on the new Trump doctrine. Did we hear anything new in this national security strategy, Caitlin?
2: Well, it was quite an interesting speech there, Joe. The president was seeking to outline his national security strategy, how that all fits in with that America first vision that he ran on. And he was incredibly critical of past administrations on trade packs, the Iran nuclear deal and immigration. But it also sounded almost like one of those campaign-style speeches that we often hear from the president, because he also talked about tax reform and the stock market and whatnot. But we did hear him label China and Russia as rival super as rival powers. We know that he touched on the trade imbalance with China. He spoke pretty warmly of his relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin, referencing that call that happened just a few days ago where Putin thanked Trump for some CIA intelligence that helped foil a planned terror plot in Russia, so we certainly sought him seek to lay that out. His main takeaway was that economic security is what he believes is national security and that he wants to try to get America back into its place in the world, which he doesn't think it has been because of the past administration's policies here, Joe.
0: And Caitlin, the president also talked just a bit about that horrible Amtrak accident out in Washington State. His first tweet, though, had to do with his infrastructure plans, and only later did he get to the issue of the victims. But during the speech, he actually talked about the victims, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. He opened up the speech offering his sympathies and his thoughts and prayers for those victims. But you're right. When we first heard from the president on this, we had been told by the White House that he had been briefed, that they were monitoring the situation. And then just a short while later, we saw him tweet about it. But he didn't mention the multiple fatalities that have been reported regarding this wreck. Instead, he made a pitch for his infrastructure plan saying this is why we need it. It seemed a little premature, Joe, because we don't know the cause of this wreck. We don't know any details yet surround what happened there and then there was a little bit of criticism of the president surfacing online and then about 10 minutes later he tweeted about the victims of the wreck but first we did hear only from him about his infrastructure plan.
0: Interesting it's not the first time we've seen the president go to issues of policy and politics when there's a national tragedy before doubling back to talk about the victims. Uh, that is part of his style I guess. Thank you so much for that Caitlin Collins. And it's not just national security on the president's mind this Monday as Republicans inch closer to a much-needed legislative win in the form of a massive tax overhaul. I know, I know, tax talk on a Monday, but try to stay with me, folks. Here's how all this is expected to play out. Tomorrow... The House will vote first. Their colleagues in the Senate will take up the bill once the House is done. The goal is to have the bill on President Trump's desk and ready for his signature absolutely as soon as possible. For his part, the president sounds very optimistic.
1: This is going to be one of the great gifts to the middle-income people of this country that they've ever gotten for Christmas.
0: Now, Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee, which helped craft the final bill with Senate negotiators, agrees.
2: When we look at the overall plan, we see that this is a plan that can give a jolt to the economy, allow the economy to grow. And I'm fighting for those um, middle-income, hard-earned taxpayers right here in Tennessee. And I believe that this is going to be a real Christmas present for them.
0: And as you might expect, the view is quite different on the other side of the aisle. This is a total betrayal of President Trump's economic populist message uh, on the campaign trail. It's a huge giveaway to big corporations, millions of middle class taxpayers will see their taxes go up, uh, even though Republicans promised that would not happen. But at least one Senate Republican says Democrats have only themselves to blame if they don't like the bill's specifics our democratic colleagues had every chance to participate and simply refused and it's not too late for them to join us in passing this massive tax cut and tax reform bill which will help awaken the uh, sleeping giant of the american economy they can do that on tuesday and i hope some of them will still if no democrats get on board senate republicans say they can pass the bill along party lines that's despite the absence of Senator John McCain, who's returned home to Arizona and will miss this vote as he recovers from the side effects of chemotherapy for a brain tumor. So is there any chance we can see another last-minute snag that sends Republicans home for Christmas without that promised gift for their constituents? It is highly unlikely, we're told, because even though Senators Susan Collins, Jeff Flake, and Mike Lee have been tight-lipped, about their votes, top Republican aides expect all three to be a yes. And with that in mind, you know what we like to say here on State of America, stay tuned on that one. Still ahead, Donald Trump reveals his national security goals. Our panel weighs in on his new America first strategy next. U.S. national security strategy is taking on a decidedly America-first tone. Economic prosperity is one key objective in President Trump's new plan, and he specifically called out China and Russia as rival powers. A panel tonight, Hillary Rosen, CNN political commentator and Democratic strategist, Shermichael Singleton, CNN political commentator and Republican strategist, Jackie Kucinich, CNN political analyst, and Washington bureau chief for the Daily Beast and Paris Denard, CNN political commentator and former director of Black Outreach in George W. Bush's White House. So Hillary, Rosen, I'll just start with you. We're sitting right to, next to each other. What, one of the things we heard from Caitlin Collins is the president harked back to a lot of his campaign themes and loves to talk about the fact that he won the election. Many have asked why the president at this point continues to hammer away at the notion that he won the election when there are so many other pressing issues that he could talk about
3: well i you know my sense is it's a little bit of a combination of it's his favorite theme because it feeds you know his his ego but also i think because much of what his national security advisors talked about in this strategy really are things he doesn't really like to talk about which is taking a much tougher line on russia which is pushing china more on uh, international economic cooperation whereas he's tried to be tougher on um, on economic embargo so I think that in in essence while he's gone along with this plan he sure wasn't embracing it as as far as I could tell today
0: let's talk a little bit about that sure Michael mm-hmm. you see the president talking about Russia sounding a bit tougher on Russia than he has in the past I suppose the question is uh, given what we know here in Washington DC is it realistic to ask whether the president is trying to create uh, a picture of himself as more critical of russia than he has in the past
1: i mean if he did if he was i think he failed i think he came up short uh, we didn't hear the president talk a lot about cybersecurity. Uh, what what will what will cybersecurity look like for the next couple of decades? Uh, can we have assurance that next year's elections will be safe from meddling from Russia? Uh, he didn't talk about you, the Ukraine, what Russia did over in the Ukraine, and, and specifically as it relates to China and neo mercantilism. You're you're seeing China expand in Africa. You're seeing China expand in South America. Uh, he didn't speak a lot about the uh, South China Sea. So there were some specifics that I think the, the president came short on. And so for me. While I think he may have covered some bases for his base, I think for individuals who are more concerned about our international policy moving forward, they they were uh, left with a lot to, to hear from the
0: president. So, so Jackie, uh, about that issue of election security and Russia, which is like the elephant in the room, can you talk a little bit about that?
4: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, one of the issues here, and it has been since the president was elected, that he views Russia and election meddling through the prism of his own validity as president. Now we know that he is—he is the president. That—that that has been, you know, that—that—that that, that problem has been solved. That he—we have a president of the United States. Now let's take on this election thing as a separate issue. Uh, there hasn't, to, to your point, Michael, there hasn't been any sort of um, assurance that. I mean, there's an election just right around the corner. That that's going to be safe, and unless the president can separate himself from it. Um, It's hard to think that he's going to address this in a serious manner, Uh, and that's a little concerning.
0: Uh, Paris, uh, previous presidents have not actually given this national security speech. For example, President uh, Obama left it to his national security advisor, Susan Rice. The question with the president giving this speech, does he lock himself into specific policy that he might have been able to massage if he hadn't said it himself? on camera for the world to hear.
5: I think Hillary was wrong when she said the president's favorite theme uh, was the election. His favorite thing is make America great again. That's his favorite theme. And I think that's what you saw in the speech. And the reason why he gave it himself is because he is wedded to him. Again, he is the decider. He is the commander in chief. He is wedded to this strategy. Now we can talk tactics, which is a separate thing, but the overall strategy that he laid forth is one that he believes in. He wanted to remind the American people that the reason why he is giving it And the reason why they voted for him is because of this agenda. And this agenda is what he's putting out. So before, other people had given it. But he wanted to remind the American people that coming straight from his mouth he is giving the national security strategy and it's interesting that we are spending time talking about russian meddling in the election mm-hmm. as if that's the only thing that has to do with national security it is a broad uh, strategy and national security it encompasses yes some of the things that russia has been alleged to have done but that's not the only thing and that's why he focused so much on the totality of his strategy well, why don't well, you think can i, uh, go can ahead. I
3: just say i, I think paris raises a good point about russia and if for our for our global viewers Really, the issue for Russia, I think, is twofold. Number one, what the president said was we want to make sure that nobody meddles in anyone's elections around the world without actually saying that they've already meddled in our election and that they're paying no price for it. So I think if you are in Europe, if you are in um, South America, you are not feeling particularly confident that the United States is going to use our leverage with Russia to protect them from a cybersecurity standpoint, but the other issue is the is the Russian military superpower. So he sort of conflated the issues. We have China as an economic power. We have Russia as a military threat. Um, and and what he did not do, I think, is give any comfort to um, uh, Europe and and elsewhere that were worried about the incursion in Crimea, that are worried about Putin's expansionist tactics. And yeah. in, and in, instead, he sort he. He kind of, um, again, gave them a pass, whereas I don't think his national security right. advisors meant to.
0: All right, so uh, the Trump Mueller fight is heating up again this time. The issue is tens of thousands of emails. We're going to get into that when we come right back.
5: Not looking
1: good. It's not looking good. It's uh, quite sad to see that. So my people were very upset about it. Uh, I can't imagine there's anything on them, frankly, because as we said, there's no collusion. There's no collusion whatsoever, but uh, a lot of lawyers thought that was pretty
0: sad. President Donald Trump, reacting to the special counsel and the Russia investigation collecting of tens of thousands of emails, from the Trump transition team, a spokesman for Robert Mueller, has rejected accusations of wrongdoing. Let's get back to the panel. And Paris, let's start with you. So over the weekend, this story breaks about tens of thousands of emails apparently handed over by the GSA to the special counsel on request, not a subpoena, and the attorney for the transition arguing in his letter that some of these documents were private or privileged and suggesting, of course, that the special counsel may have gotten them improperly or illegally. This was not a document, as far as we know, that was submitted to a court. It looked more like an attempt to influence people on Capitol Hill and the public. Why do that if it's not going into court of law? Is, are they simply trying to discredit the special counsel investigators?
5: I, I, I think we have to look at the, the Is what was new, uh, move, uh, the... Uh, Mueller's intent, and a lot of people have talked about the intimidation factor of how he's leading this investigation. And so we have to get to the bottom of why they chose to do it the way that they do it, the way that they did this, uh, without going through the proper subpoena powers. But at the end of the day, we want the truth. The American people want the truth, the American people deserve the truth, but also the president and this White House and all the the people who worked on the campaign want the truth. And so by doing such things like this, we want to ensure that the integrity of this, of this entire process is sound and is just. And if there's, a, if there's any critique about the Trump campaign uh, in any way, there can be similar critiques as to the way Mueller is doing this investigation. We want it to be sound. We want it to be just. We want it to be fair. And it didn't look like that tonight.
0: Jackie, from a journalistic standpoint, is there a substantive reason for this letter to be written especially if it's not submitted to a court. I
4: mean with the emails these were dot gov emails I and mean, we should mention that that means they're that's they're, public no expectation <laughs> yeah. of no privacy. no expectation of privacy that is that is dot gov so if there is any sort of shock um, I don't know maybe don't go to government um, because that that is what that's what you're signing up for um, you know it, it has been surprising to see how the extent to which the president's lawyers are telling him uh, at least reportedly mm-hmm that everything is going to be okay and he's going to be exonerated fully, these special investigations can go on for a very long time. So the idea that this is going to be wrapped up and a bow is going to be on it by early next year uh, it doesn't seem realistic right. as to where we are right now based on other uh, investigations like these.
0: I really want to do that question as a jump baller. Sarah Murray mm-hmm. reported this morning that, among other things, this president, uh, believes, uh, according to his lawyers, that the investigation is going to be wrapped up quickly, that he might get an exoneration letter, and right. there's a concern that if things don't go the way he wants them to go, he might blow up. The question right. on this is... Also, why what's
4: th- an exoneration letter? Right, right, yeah, whoever heard of that, right? <laughs> I'm just like, saying. Yeah,
0: but, right, but, but the real question on this is almost the process. Why would people with the president float... A story like that, especially about the president blowing up and, and perhaps doing something self destructive like trying to get rid of the special counsel, why would they float a story like that publicly? As the critics of the president, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, go ahead now. Go ahead. I was going
3: to say, I think it, it's, it's hard to judge really um, how difficult it is to be a staff person or advisor to, to President Trump because he is. Erratic and a bit thin skinned and personal around these things. I I actually don't doubt that he in his own mind thinks he's done nothing wrong because he has this sort of autocratic executive view of what he is entitled to do as as a person and as a president. So I think that a lot of this is about managing the president, not really managing the public. I think that does a disservice to the public, but I think that's what's happening. Sure, Michael,
0: what do you think?
1: No, I agree with everything Hillary just said. I mean, I think if you look at the president, he has not been the most disciplined leader, particularly as it pertains to this issue. And I think those around him are trying to prevent the president from further attacking Mueller on Twitter uh... and when he gives press conferences at political rallies etc but again i think it does do a disservice to the american people because if if we look at the nixon investigation that took a very very long time we do not know what the end result will be of this and so to have this expectation that the president is going to get this exoneration level which is letter which is something i've never heard of seems a bit absurd to me
3: i have to say i do agree with paris i want this to be over too Figure well, it out, because does, right? so we, yeah.
0: we do want to move on. Now, let me right. get uh, jump ball on this again. Now, the question in my mind is whether people surrounding the president are concerned that he's going to blow up, move toward firing the special counsel. Are they floating that so that the president can see it on TV and think before he acts?
5: First of all, I don't know that these things are actually true. These are just, you know, people have said that this okay, is happening. Okay, just assume it, argue, end up. But I will say, that, but no, I don't think that's what's happening. I think there is a level of managing expectations. We are dealing with a president who has never served in government, has never dealt with a lot of the things that he's having to deal with. And so, from a political standpoint, from a legal standpoint, they have to manage his expectations so he understands the full parameters of what is going to happen or what could happen.
0: Great. Thanks to our panel. Really appreciate you all coming in. This is day 333 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. We will see you back here tomorrow.
3: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.